Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Rachel and Jacinta with you here on Well, 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 about LGBTIQ women's visibility in sports ahead of Lesbian Visibility Day on April 26th. We're now joined by Courtney Hagen, who is a proud butchula and gubby gubby woman from the Southern Sunshine Coast region in Queensland. Courtney has been involved in many community engagement roles in sport and was awarded Out Role Model of the Year at the 2021 Australian Pride in Sports Awards and also uh, has a podcast called Coming Out Black, which you should all tune into straight away after this. <laughs> and was also um, in uh, featured in our uh, new Rethink the Drink campaign, which will be launched in the next couple of months. Thanks for joining us, Courtney. Thanks for having me. And thanks for the plug. That was so nice. <laughs> Um, we've seen a number of AFLW players come out publicly over the last five seasons and even, you know, doing some of them doing so via news stories with their partners. How important is it for LGBTIQ people to see this happening? Oh, like, it's incredibly important. I don't think there's uh, an amount that you could place on the importance of people not only just expressing who they are and you know, being able to be visible in a space like sport, but actually taking that time and providing the um, the emotional labour and the vulnerability of also telling their story, um, you know, into the media as well, because that kind of unpacks a bit more of, you know, what it's like in day to day, also being an athlete, but also, you know, telling the story of, you know, this is what I do and this is also who I love and, um, you know, this is our family and this is our story and I think that, for a lot of people that don't know many um, LGBTQ people, um, that's a really important uh, story for them, to, yeah, particularly in the sporting realm. Yeah, and how about for people who aren't necessarily part of the LGBTIQ community? Why is it important for them to see out and proud sports people? I think, um, just yeah, like digging further on what I was just saying, like for them to also connect to someone that's part of the community that they may not know, um, as well as giving them an opportunity to, to, to like make um, you know make connections to those people um, you know, as as humans, not just because they admire them as, as athletes. I think that's something that um, we've, we've seen be really successful across all sports, across all communities that play the sport. Is people, yes, they admire talent, but what they really do is follow the people uh, that are playing the sport, and they're really invested in their personal lives as well. So um, incredibly important for people that aren't a part of the community to be connecting to people that are part of the community through the mechanism, which is sport. We are seeing a lot of 
sports role models uh, come out now and, and, and we know that sports can provide a great way to educate people around discrimination. For example, you know, what's happening around racism and has been for, you know, for a number of years now with those stories coming out, uh, you know, at the moment, Cyril Rioli and Hawthorne. And of course, Eddie Betts has been an incredible spokesperson for raising awareness around racism in AFL. But I guess, you know, being an athlete is a pretty much full full on and full time job in itself when you're playing at that level and it can take its toll with having to be or being a role model as well. How do you think athletes at this level and what we're seeing happening with AFLW now actually, you know, is the best way for them to juggle being what they do uh, in the sports world but also, you know, trying to be a role model as well? It's a really good question and I think it's kind of two-pronged. So, like, firstly, um, you know, juggling such a, a high-intense, um, you know, environment such as being an elite athlete, particularly in the AFLW space where you don't necessarily have as much financial support, you're working extra jobs, whatever it is that you need to be doing just to pursue that career. Um, plus being a role model on top of that, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of challenge in that. It depends what community you're you're from or who you're advocating for. No matter what community you're advocating for, actually, um, you've got to be able to practice that that self care and set boundaries and not not be everything to everyone. I think that that's really tricky to people in that position um, when it isn't their full time job. Uh, specifically, as we're talking about AFLW, it's not a full time job. So you know, there's there's limitations and there's a lot of extra. Um, you know, emotional and mental burden that, that does come from feeling like you have to say yes to everything because you know it's contributing to getting more profile, getting the sport more attention, so hopefully more sponsors. And then, you know, it's almost like it's their job to kind of work themselves up into a full-time role um, whilst trying to look like, you know, whilst trying to present like they're always around engaging community, but you notice that, you know, AFLM don't necessarily have that much uh, pressure at all. So that goes into my second um, part of the question is, you know, our national sporting bodies plus, you know, sporting clubs, particularly in the professional space, have to take more responsibility um, for putting that on, on athletes and on players and set up, you know, the most appropriate support mechanisms um, and have policies, procedures in place and sustainable um, measures that actually do something in this space. The sport should be, as a whole, should be the role model, not a particular player. Um, and we've, we've got to be better. And we shouldn't be utilising people's, you know, um, like for example, Adam Goods or, or Cyril, you know, we're using their, their pain in order to advocate to, you know, against anti discrimination. Like I don't think that's necessarily the way we, we could have gone about it as a country. Um, and take it more from a preventative route rather than a reactive route, which we always keep, you know, keep continuing to do. And what would you, what do you think are some of them, you know, the best preventative measures that we should be seeing happening right now? What, what and I guess, you know, that's a big question to ask. But is there, are there certain things that you think would be really easy to be implemented now that we're not seeing? Um, yeah, like I think you know, preventative, preventative stuff's hard because when there's already damage that's been done. Um, but obviously I think what really sends a message is the way that, that sport reacts to things that happen. So even though I just said we're super reactive and not doing preventative work, the preventative work is 
showing up and supporting the person first uh, that experienced that. Um, having the preventive work is the policy building and um, commitment to anti-discrimination through you know working with you know the Australian Human Rights Commission and other bodies that exist that do support sporting organisations and and industries to be better in this space. So working with working with them, having a, a strong um, policy that people will keep to if something does happen. It's not just a slap on the wrist, it's a serious, um, you know, if something goes wrong, uh, sorry, or if someone's discriminated, that there's a serious um, discipline, disciplinary action because that's how it should be happening. Um, and that, you know, that, the, that organisations also work with the media to make sure that the right story is told and that, you know, it doesn't create ground for more discrimination and racism to um, be enabled and, and sort of fostered in those environments. Yeah, and of course that's a lot of the work that you're involved in at the moment, but where did your sporting journey start? Did you get involved in, like, local sports when you were a kid? Yeah, so classic, you know, um, playing cricket and touch footy in the backyard with your family and... Um, I grew up in country Queensland, so I didn't really have a lot of choice as to what sport I played. Uh, <laughs> so my mum's a teacher, so um, like she just kind of made us go into the afternoon sports that were being provided at the school while she was in the staff meeting. So that's how I got into cricket, just because it was the, the same afternoon that they had a staff meeting. So that's how I ended up picking that uh, sport up and then, um, yeah, taking on basketball as well, which you'll see in the uh, photo of me in the... Um, we think the drink campaign. <laughs> and I guess, you know, what we are seeing now, especially with AFLW, is we see players who have played multiple sports before they've actually even got into to football. Uh, is that something that you continue to do? like, Or do you have a favourite sport that you're involved in? Uh, yeah. Oh, I love basketball. I think that's my, my number one sport and cricket, but I'm someone that would, would jump into anything really, but I found those sports particularly, um, I think cricket more so than, than basketball being the most sort of safe safe place and everyone's really supportive of the history, I think, of, um, you know, a lot of LGBTQIA representation and stuff like that, which has sort of really helped, um, yeah, my sort of, the way that I sort of levitated towards that sport and have stayed in that sport ever since. That's a good point, actually, because we've been speaking a lot about um, AFLW because we were uh, just speaking to Tilly Lucas-Rod uh, from St Kilda. But uh, cricket, you know, you're talking about that was really a really supportive environment. Was was that something that was a surprise to you when you got to that level or, you know, was it just sort of a, you know, that's how things always were in cricket? It was always a supportive environment. Um, well, it's funny. I didn't actually really realise until I was in it. Um, that it was super supportive. I used to play with like all of the young boys um, back, back, not back in my day, but like only <laughs> ten years ago. Um, you know, you couldn't really play a, a all female comp until you were about sixteen, seventeen. So by the time I was that age and playing in the women's comp, that's what it started to become a bit more um, visible around me, which was really great in comparison to the experience I was having in basketball at the time, which was extremely um, you know, casually racist and casually homophobic as well. So I found cricket as like a safe place um, to just kind of knock, like have a couple of those walls down and just really feel comfortable and safe where I was. When you were 
uh, younger and playing. Did you have any LGBTI role models in sports that you looked up to? Um, no, I didn't because I didn't realise that they were until they came, like until I grew up a bit more and then looked a bit more into them and realised that they were a part of that community. So I was like, oh, that's amazing. Um, but what I did was I, I think I sort of was just hoping that there was. Um, so I think someone told someone told a story. I can't remember who it was. I feel really bad for this them, but they they said that they wished Kathy Freeman was gay. And I think I, I sort of had that a bit in me as well. Like I was just hoping that, um, you know, as, as things got a little bit more progressive in society, also growing up in Queensland, which is a bit more conservative in some ways. Um, yeah, I think I was just kind of hoping that someone around me would. And what I did find was I had teammates. Um, more, I, was, I was quite a young person playing in an adult comp early, uh, particularly in basketball. And I had a, a couple of people around me that were part of that community. But um, instead of it being something that was super inspirational, what it actually did was um, it kind of actually set me back a bit further, not because of who they were, but because of the way that the rest of the team would talk about them or, or treat them um, because of that. So it's interesting how important we talk about representation and people being out, but it's actually sometimes not necessarily the safest thing if uh, team, like if everyone around them aren't, aren't supportive or aren't educated to know like how, I guess, how not to be casually homophobic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but things have changed. Like, you know, it's been you know, a few, few years now and, you know, a lot, I would imagine a lot of that's a lot better. But yeah, it, 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 that's an interesting question. But I guess now, I guess a lot, a lot more of us are very lucky to see, as you mentioned before, the likes of ASLW players, players you know in the Matildas, players in the Australian women's cricket team, talking about their recent marriage and having kids. Like that's that's the ultimate um, thing that I know that many generations have been just like holding out hope for I think and now we're finally here and it's it's a really good place to be in like it's really exciting yeah the visibility helps not only normalize it I guess that helps in the education for people who are queer themselves or are not necessarily part of those communities but you know for some people especially I think younger queer people too seeing people who are out and visible and you know doing those things and still being a part of um their sports and being really big athletes it it's really exciting um and yeah there's definitely that hope that um (laughs) some certain people will come out um but yeah that's that's a really important thing um do you think that for some sports are there certain places that are more welcoming of queer people I think so. I think like the word welcoming is probably a bit different to the word, you know, um, em- embracing or mm. or have a, have a history of, of being safe. Um, I think definitely if you look at the sports that have had, um, particularly at the high level as well, more um, more members of the, of the LGBTQ community as, as part um, of that history, I think that's definitely, you can definitely see that reflected today of of where um where people are gravitating to but 
it also comes from it also is like reflective of where sport I think are right in general around how much they celebrate those players would is in, indicative of how how like how many people I guess are now flocking towards the sports that are a bit more embracing rather than welcoming. So you look at the word like inclusion, for example. Um, I work in dirt inclusion, I love it. But the word inclusion sort of highlights the fact that the, the system of the sport in its you know most basic sense is exclusionary. So now we have to work to include people, whereas some sports have kind of almost been set up from the get-go where it's embracing and it's knocking down any sort of barriers that contribute to that exclusion rather than going the other way around, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And and I guess as we touched on before, you know, we've seen the sort of, you know, exploitative nature of some Indigenous players, you know, in, historically throughout AFL. Uh, what, what do you think as someone who was a young Indigenous person getting in, queer person getting into sports, what do you see as some of the barriers for perhaps, yeah, young women who are Indigenous wanting to get into sports and who are also queer? Like, you know, what what do you see in, you know, the line of work that you do as well? Um, I think it's that safety thing again, right? Like, if, if sports are consistently letting down a community, um, a particular community that you hold a lot of um, your identity to, um, that is a massive barrier and almost uh, something that completely repels you from wanting to pursue that sport even higher. Or um, if you do, I think it provides a lot of uh, levels of anxiety. I would imagine that it could happen anytime to you and you might not be, you know, it could mean the end of your career rather than it being something that you get supported through. Um, I'd like to think that we're, we're coming, um, we're getting a a lot better as a country, particularly like our allies more publicly uh, are holding other people more accountable and we're having those conversations and sport is doing a massive job in supporting that. And there's a lot of people that are working really hard to get this done um, in so many spaces. But I think it's that we just have to consistently keep proving it to people, no matter what sport, that, you know, these are safe safe spaces and if you're not going to you know as an athlete if you're coming into space and you're not going to ensure that it's um safe for everyone else then you know you're not welcome until you can until you can do that and i think that's the only that's probably one of the more important things is um you know not putting athletes in environments where they can be um exposed to that that kind of um treatment i guess and that comes from fostering good culture, that comes from fostering, um, you know, the, the positive contribution to, to ensure that everyone's human rights are respected in everywhere that they are. So that's probably one of the biggest barriers. I know that that's probably not something that, you know, a 14-year-old who's sitting here thinking, you know, about becoming a professional Olympian at, or something, but... Um, you know, it is stuff that does play a role as well as um, the way that the current athletes in the game are being represented and talked about through the sport and through the media. And if they are from either one of those um, communities or both, 
then that that usually sends a message to the individual straight away whether or not um, that's going to be a good environment for them or not. And as someone who is involved in those arenas, whether it's inclusion and diversity or whether it's you know being known as a someone who's involved in sports how has it been for you as a role model for younger people Mm, like it's interesting I wouldn't necessarily say I'm trying to be a role model but if if being in a space you know provides that representation then that's awesome um I will say there's I have role models who are also um First Nations women that do work in sport and there's not many of us, I will say. Um, But, you know, knowing how they've been treated in a lot of different spaces, you know, it makes it really hard for me to want to keep showing up. But because they keep showing up, I keep showing up. And I know that if I keep showing up, you know, the next gen will keep showing up. And um, it's really hard and you're you're not safe, even though you've gone and created that representation. It's still not super safe. Um everywhere that you go and you're still you know unfortunately subject to um mostly casual racism or homophobia but it still happens and you know that that means i've still got a lot of work to do in my you know in my day-to-day job to to combat that but um hopefully if if i can do that and and you know pioneers that have come before me and all of the other um everyone else particularly in the first nations community that are up pushing themselves into spaces um, and trying to dismantle this systematic patriarchy that built um, so much of, you know, the power in racism and discrimination um, that that keep um, certain figures on top, I guess. You know, if we all keep doing what we're doing, it's, it's really going to pay off in the next, you know, five to ten years. I really, I really do believe that. So then, you know, anyone who's part of the part of the First Nations community or part of the, uh, the queer community or both, um, when they when they come into a professional environment or a sporting environment or, you know, one that's both, that they're going to be incredibly safe um, as well as, you know, championed and embraced and have, have an experience that they should have had, um, you know, that, that we all should have been having, I guess. So, yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you for the work that you've been doing. And I hope that people realise that what we often see when we speak to people on Well, Well, Well is that sometimes, as you were saying, Courtney, there is jobs that people are doing with just a handful of people, just a handful of people who are taking on really, really massive um, roles. And uh, I know how... um, after speaking um, to you before that like, you know, it, it's uh, the work that you're doing is amazing and we can only just say thank you and, and um, hopefully you can continue doing it for a long time. <laughs> thank you. And, you know, it, it wouldn't be, um, you know, achieved either without legends like yourself talking about this as well. You know, these are important conversations and I really appreciate, uh, yeah, the opportunity to come in and talk about it as well as, you know, um, what, like yeah, obviously Joy FM and um, everything that you guys or like, you're all talking about all the time. So I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thanks, Courtney, for joining us. And also, uh, don't forget, coming out black. Courtney's podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by Joy sponsor Thorn Harbour Health. 
For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.